shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Welcome to episode 34 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm the other one, Dan. And we are excited you are joining us on this venture once again. As always, we appreciate all the support and feedback. Please feel free to reach out to us on any of the social networks. Dan, we are not going to go over classroom updates. Nope. Ditch Summit is going on. I think we've talked about that enough. So I'm excited because we do have a special guest today. So we're going to go right into our interview. We had the opportunity to meet this individual about four years ago now. Just about four years ago, we actually shared a uh, cheesesteak together uh, at uh, ISTE uh, 2019 in Philly. So without further ado, Jake Miller. All right, we're here with Jake Miller, jakemiller.net. He's a teacher, author, podcaster, okay, of the EDU Duct Tape, Educational Duct Tape Podcast. Now he has the EdTech News Brief Podcast, Google Certified Teacher. He is one of the K-12 IT influencers uh, from 2020, one of 30. That's a, a nice accolade right there. He's a GIF GIF guy. And finally, not... Last but least, he's the master dad joke teller, right? Did I, <laughs> did I don't I, think I'm the master. I'm just a dad joke teller. Did I miss anything there, Jake? I don't think so. I think you, I think you hit, hit the important stuff there for sure. We definitely talked about your recent uh, – Dan and I talked about your list of great gifts for teachers. And Dan, I swear he was a kid in a candy store, Jake, when he saw the dad joke book. He was like yeah. – Sign me up. Someone, I want it. Someone needs to get me that gift right away. <laughs> My dad jokes are running low. I need some inspiration. Yeah, they all made fun you of me what? today, too, because yeah. I said one. <laughs> you got to say it. That's your job. But I, I've, I've got to say, so that, that gift list is a, you know, it's an Amazon associate page. I get like a small, like tiny little piece of Amazon's pie when people buy from that, that page. And that, so I can see what's been purchased from it. That's been the best-selling thing on the list. Awesome. <laughs> that joke book. Isn't that great? That's great. So well, now now when great. people go out and buy it, we have to make sure we tell them to click through that banner. Yeah, we'll give that. Those, right. We'll great. give your affiliate links there. Hey, listen, you put all the work in. Absolutely need right. to. You know, like that's that, that, that goes without saying. My joke today that everybody made fun of me because we work in an office with other uh, PD specialists, and I was like, oh, I heard one this morning, and uh, I was we were, you know, prefacing with our pre-show meeting about, you know, talking with you today, and I was like, he, I, I can't keep up with him. And I was like, but I heard, oh, what does Santa's elves learn in school, right? And they were like, oh, I don't know what. And I was like, the alphabet. And they just laughed at me. And it was, <laughs> you know, I needed my corny, like, sound bit right there because they were like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Jake, can you tell the listeners uh, for us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I'm in Ohio. And first of all, excited to be on Adventures in Tech. Thank you for having me on. Uh, but I've been, my adventure in tech started a long time ago. Um, I, this is year 20 in education for me, started in the classroom. Uh, I've done, I think, 14 years of teaching, mostly in middle school, mostly in math, a little bit of science, a little bit of STEM. Uh, and as, as I went through those years, I found that I was really excited about ed tech and how it worked in my classroom. So I was excited about what I could do with it. Um, and then what my students could do with it. And then I started teaching teachers in my building how to use it. And then across my school district. And then 
got to the point where I, I wanted to help more educators with ed tech because I, I saw the potential for it in the classroom. And so I started presenting at local conferences and things like that. And then that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to go further. So I started doing the, the Twitter thing and sharing on Twitter. And you mentioned the gifts that I, that I used to share a lot of. Now I don't share quite as many of, but sharing gifts, you know, I call them edu gifts that, that show how to do some of the technology. And then it felt like I was just sharing things about the technology and I wanted to share more about how to approach using technology. Uh, so started the educational duct tape podcast and then wrote the educational duct tape book and kind of, I, I just keep trying. I'm like a, I, I don't know, like I'm like a, like a dog. Okay. So I, I sense a new smell or something and I run off in that direction trying <laughs> new things. So, but now I just in that educational technology thing, just keep trying new things. And then my day job now you know, so I do podcasting and stuff on the side, as you mentioned in the intro, but my day job now is as a personalized learning specialist, uh, helping schools in my area do more personalized learning, which is kind of one of my passions in education is, is getting school and learning to look more like that. And that's, that's what I want for our learners. So you're basically not in a classroom every day now, and you're really working with multiple right. districts right across Ohio, mm-hmm. and it allows you to travel to all the different regional and, and national conferences then, correct? Right. So so within that role, I'm just this stuff within Ohio, working with school districts, helping teams of educators get this stuff. Because it, it, it is a big change to the way we do things in the classroom. So it's going to take time. It's going to take support. We're starting with those small groups of people and building out from there and then going to, you know, the conferences in Ohio to try to find those those educators to support. And then I do get to do on the, on the side every now and then. Like I'll be in FETC here pretty soon on some of my days off. Um, just because I can't, I, you know, I can't get rid of the educational technology. You, you can take the ed tech guy out of the ed tech role, but you can't take the ed tech out of the ed tech guy, I guess. Is that right? That's right. That's, that's right. That's, that's, what they say. that's what they say. I think. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what they say. So, Jake, I do have to ask a question on one of your most recent episodes, and we'll get to it, but you had the Wu-Tangs for the Children t-shirt. <laughs> and we literally just said, we need that shirt. So, I don't care if you send us an affiliate link, Jake, but Dan and I want that shirt. <laughs> we're like, we're bringing back our roots. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. Thank you for, for naming the T-shirt because I, every every episode of the EdTech News Brief, I'm like, what T-shirt haven't I worn yet? And I'm like, so excited to show off my, my T-shirt and I'm getting like no feedback. Like I like... That day I had on that Wu-Tang is for the children. I'm like, how is nobody messaging me? Like, what's up with that T-shirt? Or I love that T-shirt. So yeah. I, I, try, I kind of try to keep bringing it with the T-shirt. That one's from Public. That was my first ever Public purchase. When I saw that, I was like, I, ha- I have to have that shirt. Absolutely. And the You're- best is it's got like a Charlie Brown character, just yeah. Charlie Brown style yeah. kids sitting there listening. <laughs> Your T-shirt game is definitely strong. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes, finally. <laughs> I'm like getting recognized for it. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's it. As we start to talk about things, uh, you know, what we want to know is so with what, like, what is your aha moment when you realized the power of ed tech in instruction? Hmm. You know, I, I think one of my earliest times really leveraging educational technology, and this is something I've, I've talked about in, you know, keynotes and, and podcasts in my book before, is I, I, my very first teaching role, actually my, my, it was actually my second teaching role, but my, my first like long-term teaching role I taught for, uh, six years in eighth grade math. And when I started on it, I had three different preps. I had five class periods and three preps. I had eighth grade math, eighth grade algebra, and eighth grade advanced algebra. And, it, and I loved the job and I loved that age group and I loved working with them and I loved teaching math. But I found that I was overwhelmed with all of the different things I was preparing. I was teaching from a transparency projector. Oh, yeah. People were probably nodding their head like yeah. me too. You know, I was facing the class, sitting at the transparency projector on my stool. 
It was projecting behind me. I was writing out math problems. It was, it was a good strategy because I could see the kids' faces and reactions while I went over things, you know, and they could see the work that I was doing. Um, but it was disorganized. It was hard to stay planned that way. I had transparency marker all over all of my sleeves. Yep. I had trans- sheets of transparencies all over the place. I had kids in charge of washing off transparency sheets for me so that I could reuse them. Like it was, it was just a lot. And I, I felt really disorganized the way I was approaching things and never felt that sense of like calm. I know what I'm doing today in class. And the next year I switched to using a smart board. I had actually gone to a conference over the summer with my mom who was uh, teaching uh, an educational technology kind of, not educational technology. She was teaching a technology class at an elementary school at the time. So she went to learn about smart boards, took me along. I loved it. Uh, went to my principal, said, I'd like to get one of these. I had like this whole like list of case studies and statistics prepared to talk to her about. And I said, I'd like to talk to you about smart boards. And she said, I love those. I want to get somebody using them in the, in the building to try them out. Will you be the first person? I was like, yeah, Absolutely. yeah that's perfect. Um, and so started using it and found that that, that piece of educational technology allowed me to be more organized, allowed me to have lessons that were a little bit more engaging, allowed me to feel a little bit calmer and have those, that stuff, you know, prepared in advance and organized and ready to go. And my students loved it. And because of the way I used it, not because of the ed tech itself, but because of the way I used it, it ramped up how good I was in my classroom. It made me more effective and more efficient. And so that's when I realized, like, it's not just a bell or a whistle. It's, it's, it's a tool that is making me do better. And so I think that kind of changed my view of educational technology when I started using it that way. Because before that, I had maybe shown some videos on the projector or, right. you know, all the things like that. But when I started doing that, I was like, ah, this tool changed the way I do things. Now, interestingly, it didn't change when my students did things. That came later. Uh, but that's when I started to see it as a tool that could help in that situation. Awesome. Thank you. That that's a great story. And a, as you were telling it, um, I was like I was almost reliving my whole experience. Yes. I mean, I started teaching. I'm going into my 20th year as well. And I remember my mm. first year teaching. Um, I was put in the classroom with the only smart board um, in the entire building. And nice. it was like and I went in there. I was brand new. Um, and I said, all right, how does this thing work? And they said, figure it out. We don't know. Mm. <laughs> and that, that charted me on my path, um, right there. So, um, yeah. I was, was really interested, um, interesting to hear your perspective on that. Um, so I just want to, you were talking about your, your new venture in, um, personalized learning, which is something huh? that, um, very interesting, I think on both on Andrew and my Absolutely. part, because, um, we yeah. really focus now as, um, with our professional development, um, with the with the technology integration, how to create those personalized learning environments. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious if you can talk a little bit more about that, and you know yeah. what what the challenges you're facing with that, and how you are tackling it. Yeah. So my so my first time realizing that the personalized learning was kind of the way to go was reading the book drive by Dan Pink Mm -hmm. years ago. It's been a long time since I read it, but he talks about what motivates humans and he doesn't, he didn't write it for teachers or for the classroom, but you can't, an educator can't read that and not hear it as an education book. Right. Um, He talks about how humans are motivated by three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And, And we see it in our life. Think about the things you're, you're, you're motivated to do, whether it's exercising or reading a book or learning to play a song or learning new educational technology tools or whatever, 
the things that motivate you are being autonomous about doing it, getting better and better and better in a, in a search towards mastery. And the, he calls it like kind of like the extra one. If you could also bring purpose into it, like having a greater cause for what you're doing, sure. then that's really motivating. And that kind of started me thinking about why, why is there so little of those three things in, in typical classrooms? And in my classroom too, um, I, I gave my students very little autonomy. Um, they sure they could get to mastery, but if they didn't, I just moved on to the next lesson anyhow, you know, right, right. and they were so used to that. And obviously there was very rarely any purpose in my math classroom and in my science classroom. There should have been, um, it can't always be, but there should have been. Um, and so I realized that we're, we're going about things wrong. And so when I, I got to get into this personalized learning specialist role, which is a, a state funded effort uh, through a grant, our, our focus is bringing those kinds of experiences to students. So it's the idea that I think the easiest way to explain it is we like to, instead of calling a teacher a teacher, we call them a learning facilitator mm, like because that. teacher feels like a front of the room talking. That, that's, that's the picture we have in our mind. And what we really want them to do is facilitate the student learning. Um, and then the student, instead of calling them a student, we, we try to call them a learner because the student feels like a passive recipient of whatever the teacher is providing. And a learner feels like an active, uh, you know, person with autonomy learning. And that's kind of the goal is that the student is going through their learning. They have some autonomy. They drive their process to some extent and the teacher is facilitating it. it it's not, it's not the teacher crafting an individual lesson plan for every kid. That that's too much. And it's not the kid picking everything they do. It's the teacher, the learning facilitator, finding every chance they can to give the, the student some, some autonomy, some, some opportunity to drive their learning, some agency, we call it. Um, and and it's a, it's a, the biggest challenge you asked about for schools is they look at this and they go, yeah, that, that, you know, for the most part, that's what it should be like. That's what I'd like for my students. But they see so many logistics that limit them. They see... Uh, grades, they see our grading system, they see right. our standardized testing system, they see the way we we move students through their schooling experience based on seat time, not based on mastery. Mm -hmm. They see school years as a limiter, they see graduation and college as a limiter. So there's just so many logistics in the way we've set up our system that make this really hard to do. Personalized learning still helps in those situations. But they just they, they just look those logistics look like big limiters to us when we look at it that way. That's great. That's great. And and you know, I, I like how you really put it out there, uh, Jake, with when we talked about a learning facilitator versus a teacher and defining that as a role. It's it's the way education has evolved and all the tools that we have available to us now, that really kind of resonates in the sense that we need to be facilitating the learning instead of all that direct instruction. There's a time right, and place right. for direct instruction, but facilitating learning experiences and having what Dan and I talk a lot about on the podcast is have the students be creators, creators. versus consumers is, is such yeah, an important totally. aspect, you know? And, yeah. and, and I think yeah, and you made a good point there with the, with the, um, there is a time for direct instruction because in personalized learning, it's not moving completely away from group work or, right. or whole class discussions or, or direct instruction. It's keeping those when they're the best practice and it's removing them when they're not the best practice. So you have that one thing in your classroom where like the best way for the students to learn it is to hear the way you describe it and to hear the story you tell to connect to it and to have that whole class debate about it or discussion about it. If that's the best way, then that's what you should be doing. But for a lot of other things, 
that's not the best way. And so it's not what we should be doing, right? So, so when we talk personalized learning, we're talking about doing what's best for each individual learner. And sometimes what's best is a whole class discussion or direct instruction, but not, not, not always and certainly not even often. You know, that, that's not what's best. There's, there's a lot of other things that are what's best. Oh, I totally agree. Um, totally agree with doing the best. And direct instruction is definitely at, at times the most um, the the most beneficial way for students to be able to to grasp content and skills. But you know, in a lot of ways, we can also be doing a lot better with our direct instruction when we have students mm-hmm. interact with it at that time. Um, and you talked right. about those hurdles that teachers are, are perceiving for that personalized learning. And, and we come across it a lot when we're working with our um, professional development. And we really want to get to the mindset shift of teachers being that you have tools now, especially in the ed tech world, that make a lot of this possible um, to build these experiences. And, and you know, one thing we try and, and get across to people is as you're designing your instruction, you can be designing it in your digital space and being aware of the scaffolds that you would put into your classroom and the different um, supports that you can give students. And by building it in your digital space and then teaching off of it in your physical space, you can then create more choice and more opportunities and more differentiation for your students. Right. 100%. Yeah, for sure. So Jake, I want to talk because what you had just talked about when we, and it kind of just flowed very well with, uh, with direct instruction and how it does still have its purpose in the classroom is, uh, you know, you always had your soapboxes and we're going to talk about your <laughs> podcast for a minute. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll start with, um, you know, the educational duct tape one, which I want to talk about your soapbox, which I think you had published on your blog at some point is, you know, you don't use duct tape just because it's shiny. You use it because something's broken and duct tape is the appropriate tool to fix it. Don't use Kahoot in the classroom just because it's fun. You use it because you need to do a formative assessment and your students need to self-assess. Don't use a hyperdoc because you learned about it at a PD. Use it because it's the appropriate way to organize content and create those learning opportunities around a certain standard. Don't use VR headsets because they're neat. Use them because your students need to understand a rainforest habitat was the example you used, right? So when we talk right. about educational technology and we know your your whole premise around you know your first podcast was it's at its most useful when it is not the goal of the lesson but a tool used to solve a problem or meet a goal. So similarly, using duct tape is never one's goal, right? We don't use it just to use it. Uh, but it's an incredibly useful tool when solving problems or helping you meet that goal. Now, you had educational duct tape. You had a ton of episodes. You know, you always had your soapbox in the beginning and, you know, your, uh, you know, your uh, would you rather and so forth. And the balance, like your last episode, I believe it was like March 9th, I remember, uh, is when it came out or around that time. And you talked about your weekend and how incredibly busy it is because you have three kids, right? Right, three kids. Yeah, three three kids. Awesome kids. Yeah, so you had, you know, I mean, you were talking about tacos and basketball and baseball and, uh, you know, the <laughs> plays and just everything that we all, you know, because I have three kids as well. That you're, it's your, mm-hmm. it's just your lifestyle, right? You, you, yeah. you're just busy and the balance, right? I mean, because when I heard your, you know, it was your soapbox. Let's say for that episode, is you, what what gives, right? What had to give? And at that point, like you said, it was it was the educational duct tape podcast. And but it's such an avenue and a platform that you truly enjoy and love and are passionate about. And I'm sure it was very difficult for you to have to 
shut that down, so to speak, right? And then kind of yeah. rebrand it. Can you talk how you went from educational duct tape and then and now into the EdTech news brief and how you made that paradigm shift and, and why? I mean, I know obviously because of passion, but, you know, how, how that kind of transformed. <laughs> it's, it's funny because that, that was not the plan. The plan was to, to take an extended break from the Educational Duct Tape podcast, maybe a permanent one. I, I really didn't know at the time. Right. Um, and, and that was it. You know, I wasn't planning on starting another podcast. There was no, there was not a like I'm pivoting and doing a different thing here. It was like I'm I need to stop doing this. Um, and then the, in that time, it was like I gave myself the time to be able to think by by taking that off. Then I had more you know kind of pause in my life after that, and started to think about the idea of the tech news brief and thought I should, that could be really good. Right, <laughs> that could be a really good thing to have out there because I was thinking. What what really led to that one, you know, walking away from educational duct tape, at least temporarily, was just because I, I felt like I couldn't manage it anymore. Yeah. Um, the EdTech News Brief came from, so I, so my book, Educational Duct Tape, has, you know, it, it uh, profiles different tools that teachers might use for different purposes in the classroom. And I knew that those tools were going to change over time. I knew that, that, that the, the things in the book were going to become outdated or be missing things or names were going to change. Like you talk about flip grid in there, which is not flip. Right. 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 And so I knew those things were going to happen. And so I have a, like a backend resource page website for each chapter where you can go and see what's changed and information about it and maybe some tutorials. And I was having a hard time keeping up with that. And I'm like, I wish there was just a place that would tell me all of the things that I need to know to put into here. And there's really not, there's, there's a couple people who run, really good blogs and podcasts and things like that that do keep us up with major news and educational technology or certain segments, like maybe the Google news or the Microsoft news, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a place to go for that. And I was like, wait a minute, if I'm going to be researching this stuff for this research page for my book and it doesn't exist and it it should exist, maybe I should just be that person. And so that's where I started that podcast. And I've, I've also found that the workload for that has been, been difficult to manage and unrealistic but that was kind of my idea was you know a, a guy like you know you two guys in, in tech leadership roles in your building you know you you have to work with the educators to learn to use the tech and work with the students to use it but you also have to know what's changing right, right. and it's not fair for you to have to be running around to the screencastify website and the pair deck website <laughs> yeah, and, the, yep. and the nearpod website and the gimkit website and all of the websites to see what's happening with them and so I tried to just, I'm trying to just be that, that spot for you to find that out. Um, I found that it's hard to keep up with, but, but it's, a, it's become a passion of mine to be that news source for educators who want to stay up to date with ed tech. It is, it is very beneficial. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's a news brief. It's concise. It gets to the point. It teaches the facts. And sometimes you need that. It's the cliff notes version, right, of, of, of right. what – we need because, like right. you said, we're running around, and and in our district, we're in fifteen different buildings. You know, right. so we have a ton of uh, students. You know, our student body is close to ten thousand students, uh, maybe even be over that. But you know, making sure that we can, uh, you know, support almost nine hundred teachers uh, in our district, we need as many cheats cheat codes right as as possible right. to help us you know and the edtech news brief is just that do you see 
the educational duct tape coming back or is it, you know, we're staying ed tech news brief. Like, do you miss the <laughs> interview portion and, and all that kind of stuff? You know, I don't know what I missed more, the interview per- portion or the soapbox portion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering I'm wondering what other people out there miss more. The thing that's really driving me to think that I need to bring it back someday is that, I, you know, you, I can go in and see statistics on my podcast, and that one, it keeps getting new downloads. Like, gotcha, it, it has not stopped going. Like, I haven't put on an episode in nine months, right. and I still, I still see – you know, at least a handful of downloads every day for for some episodes in there. And most episodes get, get, you know, a download every, like at least weekly, if not daily, somebody's, somebody's listening to those episodes. And I'm like, man, if they're still, if they're still resonating, maybe I need, maybe I need to go back to it. Um, but I don't know how to pull that, pull that time off. (laughs) Well, that's it. Where's the balance, right? I mean, I know that's, you know, I mean, the nice thing is all those extra downloads, hopefully, uh, help you buy more of those tacos. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) they're not not doing anything for me. They're just downloads. They're not paying for any tacos. (laughs) I will go, I will go to my local taco place and show them my downloads numbers. (laughs) Can I buy a taco with these downloads? <laughs> uh, maybe there's some ads in there, right? I mean, you know, who knows? But, but that's the next thing is getting sponsorships, right? You know, uh, but right. you do get a lot with all the giveaways when you launched EdTech News Brief. The amount of giveaways you got from EdTech companies was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it's I good just to see out. the support. It's, it's, right. It's fun because I've, I've connected with certain people from different companies over the years and was able to just email them up and say, hey, launching this new thing. I'd like to do a giveaway. You know, it's a, you know, free advertisement to, to give this away to teachers. And they're always like, the, the, to them, it's like a win-win because they're like, I get to give something to an educator and, you know, I, I get a free advertisement out of right. it. So they're like right. always willing to do that and, kind of stuff. Yeah, we definitely do appreciate all of the content that you put out there and how much um, you share yep. with, with all your fellow educators there. It's something that when we work with teachers and we really try and bring them into all these different networks and these, these PLNs of, of people like yourself that are out there um, providing things for the betterment uh, of, of all students, I think, what it comes down to. So we really do appreciate all the content you put out there. No, oh, yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for that, too. And we'll, we'll continue to drive people to your website and your blog and all of your, your podcasts. You know, they can download both of them now. So Nice, um, yes. <laughs> I just, I mean, everything, I love when you were putting out the GIF a day. Um, for, uh, what was it? Google sheets. I was, yep. Every day I couldn't, yeah. I was looking forward to, I'm like, what else can I learn about Google sheets? And that's yeah, something that yeah. people have a fear of is right. sheets. I'm like, this was perfect. Right. Yeah. That was a fun endeavor. And I, I, I'd love, I always thought I'd go back to that. And that's what I mentioned earlier. Uh, when we were talking about my background, I'm, I'm kind of like that dog that just smells something different. goes like, oh, I'm gonna go check this out now. And, <laughs> and that was something I always planned to come back to, but I think that was right before, educational duct tape yep. mm-hmm. or maybe yep. it was during i actually i think it i think educational duct tape might have been out at that point yeah i think it was because early i think i might have advertised it there yeah it was but early i think on. that educational duct tape took too much of my focus and right. i just keep trying different things you know the the, the goal and, and kind of the wish always was for that to be that kind of stuff to be my my full-time job so that i could do all of those things right and at that that part never panned out but i'm just happy to keep doing whatever i can to to put stuff out there and i just tell myself you know whatever, whatever I'm able to do, if it's helping educators, that's, that's enough. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I would love to be doing both podcasts and doing more blog posts and running some online courses and doing gift a day and putting out more gifts. 
and sending out more emails, but I can't manage all that no, stuff. Right. No. So whatever I'm able to get out there, it helps. And that's why I keep doing it. Right. So, you know, you speak about following the next new thing. And I see on Twitter, you've been posting uh, a little bit about the next new thing about the uh, emergence of more AI tools that are coming mm-hmm. out into into the space. So I know that's been a topic of conversation amongst a, a number of people recently Absolutely. with uh, chat GPT and other things. But I know there's AI coming into so many different platforms. Canva has a, a, a new AI built into it. I know other ed tech companies are, are putting some more AI into some of their tools. So we were just curious, what are your thoughts about uh, the emergence of AI and how I'm, that- I'm kind of looking at it. I'm kind of looking at it with that, you know, the the hmm emoji, you know, the emoji with yep. the, the the hands on the chin. I'm like hmm, because I'm just waiting to see what the implications are. And I'm just being, I feel like I'm very inquisitive about this, and I'm just trying to figure out what the path it takes sure. is, and and what and what the implications are. Um, I know the the biggest implication is that it's not going away. Right. You know, it, it's not it's not going to go away. It's just going to get bigger, and it's just going to get more effective. And it's going to get like r- right now we're at the point where like, wow, it could generate a picture for us. Like that's neat. Like I, I, I appreciate the, the coolness of that, but that to me isn't like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's cool, but it, it, the implications of being able to generate a picture of something are, aren't that huge. But then you see more and more like everything that comes out, it's like a step further than that. Yeah. Like a, a couple of years ago, we had tools that were essentially using AI to take the background out of a picture. They're like, we could tell where the human is. We'll take the background out for you. And then it was like, now you type in what you want the picture to be of. And now we make the picture. And now with like chat GPT, it's like, not only can I have a conversation with you, it can generate essays and text and all this stuff yeah. for you. So it, it's just going to keep getting more and more, um, we're capable maybe as time goes. And so I think for us in education, the biggest thing we can do is to not just do the same thing we've always done mm-hmm. because of this. I, I, don't, I don't know yet what the answer is, but I know that we can't just stick our heads in the sand about it and keep going out the way we, we, we've always gone. Um, I know a lot of educators are worried about the potential for cheating and stuff like that. And I mean, I was a middle school teacher. They're, they're che- <laughs> Some of them are going to cheat. Like that's what they, that's, what they, that's, mm-hmm. that's their MO, right? right? And so yes, yes, it is going to be used for cheating, most definitely. But I think the implications are probably bigger than just that. Like because because not only do we have to have ways to effectively assess kids without them cheating, more so we have to prepare them for their futures. And so they need they need to be able to function in a world that has this. And so we need to figure out how how, how to prepare them for that world. Right. We we as educators adapt and evolve, just like everything else that's come out. Photo right. math, right, and uh, Google Translate right. for world language teachers. The graphing calculator, like we just have to figure out how to evolve education, and and not get like you said, have our ha- our heads in the sand for it. So right, and, right, and then you know, it, you think about it, it's you know, there's these certain points where these things happen. I mean, the 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 pandemic and everyone going remote and hybrid brought a lot more teachers into the digital space yeah. and brought the mm-hmm. bar up for for a lot of people in terms of instructional design. Um, this emergence is could be kind of the same thing where you really have to step back and evaluate um, what you're looking for 
in terms of designing instruction, effective instruction to reach all of our learners and also to prepare them for. And it kind of comes full circle around to your works with uh, personalized learning, I think, is creating Mm -hmm. those authentic environments where students can demonstrate their understanding in a variety of different ways, you know, capitalizing on those, you know, UDL principles and really having authentic um, assessments and authentic targets for your students. Oh, 100%. Not, not just because I mean, like uh, on the simplest surface, like that is, that's harder to cheat on. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but also it increases motivation. Like you, you think about how many things in your life that you could do an easier way, right? right? Like, right. like using chat GPT to generate an essay, that's the easier way for a student to do something. But look at our own lives. Like, Think about the things in our lives that we could do easier ways, but we don't because we appreciate the way we do them. Like look at a person who maybe uh, like me, my, my coffee. I love French press coffee. Um, I, I get it from my local coffee roaster. Um, they grind it up for me. I make it, you know, I, I boil the water in my you know electric kettle thing. and I make it in my French press. I, could I just use a Keurig? Yes, that sure, is the easier right. way. But I do this other way because I like it better with this way. Look at people who maybe brew their own beer, for example. You could go to the store and buy any kind of beer you want, but these people like to master something. They have this autonomy. They want to achieve something. And it's because it's personalized to their interests that they do it the hard way, even though the easy way is possible. So with our students, if we could get them more motivated about the learning, which takes some personalization, then they're less likely to want to cheat on things, Mm -hmm. right? And so right now, this cheating, I think, is a symptom of lack of ownership of learning or lack of interest in learning itself or like like right, like a misaligned goal. Like the students are doing school because they have to do school. They're completing work because they have to complete work. They're getting grades because they have to complete grades. They're not doing it for the learning. And so if, if your goals are just to finish your class and get your grade and move on to the next one. Why wouldn't you cheat? I mean, if you can go for it, like you don't care about anything else in there, but if we can get to a point where they're motivated by the learning and they're motivated by the achieving and they're motivated by getting to mastery, then we see a situation where they're like, why would I cheat? That doesn't help me learn anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so, and so, so I think that's what we need to change. And just like you said, you know, we've got to personalize things more. We've got to change the way we do things uh, because of this. So, Jake, I want to ask you, you know, as we talk about that, right, and and personalized learning and how, I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball and we can always revisit this in five years on this podcast, let's say, <laughs> right? But what do you think the edu- educational technology world is going to look like in five years? Like, you know, we know where our students are going and, and what they're aspiring as what as educators, what we need to accomplish. But what do you, what you know, what are your thoughts this is the this is I think the first time and it's because of the AI stuff where I really have no idea. All right, you know, like normally, like like years ago, you could have said like, oh, things are going to get more like whatever. I, I I don't know, but nowadays it's like, where's it going to go? Right. And not just that, but five years, right? At the rate that edu- the technology is changing now, I mean, look at technology a year ago. Yeah. yeah, you know, like if we go back to December of 2021. Um, we weren't talking about anything AI. Like, yeah. who knows? Maybe we were. We were excited about like things changing in Google Meet. Maybe I don't know. What we were <laughs> excited about that. that. <laughs> right, but we we have like it's it's a barely recognizable environment. The things have changed. Like like we now have like Canva could be your entire 
suite of tools you use in your classroom. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like a year ago, it was just something you might use for some graphics. Right. Um, and, and, and a year, it's totally changed. That's, that's just one example. Um, and then we see this AI stuff. I think five years from now, it's going to be barely recognizable because a year from now, it'll probably be, you know, there'll probably be major, major changes. And I, so I think that this AI thing is going to be the biggest driver of change that we see mm-hmm. and how it's going to affect the ed tech space. I, I'm not really sure. Right. Really not. You know, and so, you you know, it, the thing with that is we don't have a crystal ball, but just like when chat, you know, GPT has come out, like you said, I mean, we just look at what's happened in the past year, right? What's going to happen and transpire and, and how we evolve and adapt as ed tech gurus, ed tech fanatics, and all teachers as educators is we have to be ready to pivot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. and, and change our instruction to meet the needs of our students, you know. So um, I think it's it's going to be quite a ride. And I'm excited to see what where it goes. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, to see what's the next big thing and how is it going to have uh, its impact on education. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah. I want to talk about your book. I mean, I know we got a little bit into it. Uh, Educational Duct Tape and EdTech Integration Mindset. You know, your passion from it, right? I know you have, we talked about the back-end resource pages and, and all the changes and, and so forth with that. Um, first, it's on Amazon, correct? Yeah, yeah, on Amazon, yep. Yep, so we can get there. And then what what made you want to publish a book? Uh, I, I think as I started exploring the ideas that became the Educational Duct Tape podcast very, very early on, I just felt that I, I wanted to put this in, a, in book form. And, and I think the biggest reason I wanted to do it, not only because I thought it'd be cool, <laughs> that was part of it. I thought, it would be, how cool would it yeah. be to have a book? But the other part was, we know, you, you mentioned uh, UDL earlier, Daniel, I think yeah. you put it. Um, we know that people learn things in different ways and, and, and connect with things in different ways. So I was like, hey, if I put on a podcast, that's going to connect with the people who listen to podcasts. Right. And mm-hmm. if I go speak about this, that's going to connect to people who show up at these speaking events. But what about people who read books? Right. right. And so yeah. why not put it there for them, too? And so that was that was part of it was just putting I, I want to support these educators with ed tech. And I thought, you know, how can I make sure I'm reaching as many as possible? And so the way to do that was to do different different things. And so the book was just another iteration of that. And so people who listen to educational duct tape, I think you a lot of it is familiar when you read the book, because I, I it's very similar. I mean, it's got the same name, right? But a very similar approach to the way I wrote the book is the way to the podcast. Um, but the goal is that I that I'm spreading what I hope is is impactful knowledge and information to more educators. And so that was kind of the goal there with the have another avenue to get it out to them. That's great. And and just like all of our children learn in different ways, our students, right. adults do as well. So that's that's yeah. perfect right. sense to me. And- you know, we, we think about we've we've taken that model on to, to the way we work with uh, the, our, our colleagues and trying to provide professional development in a variety of different venues. Um, exactly. And it does create more engagement. So awesome. All right. This is what uh, I've been waiting Andrew's for this been one. waiting for this last uh, question for you. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> I think I know the answer. Already, I know the answer, too, but, but uh, I, I want everybody to understand it. Right. So. All right. We're going to end the debate right now, Jake. Is it? GIF? Is it GIF or JIF? I said it earlier. It's GIF. And it right. sounds GIF. The other one, the other one is a peanut butter. Thank you. 
That's great. You know, I, I, we knew that, and I love your stickers. You know, and it's on. You know, you'll see all of Jake's stickers on jakemiller.net and mm-hmm. and everything he has with GIF or GIF, and it's just it's hilarious and. It's just such, it just resonates, you know. It's it's so cool. I just I just laugh every time, you know. And then I love it. Are you guys both saying, gift guys? Are you? I'm a gift. I'm a gifter. I'm a gifter. Oh yeah, we're right. gifters. But uh, I do I do laugh all the time when people are like, "Oh, did you get that GIF?" I'm like, uh, "I didn't have peanut no. butter for lunch. Thank you very much." But, you know. <laughs> but that's great. No, that's I did not. <laughs> well, as we start to wrap things up, if you can um, just let our listeners know where they can find you online and where people can go to learn more about you or, or reach out and contact yeah. you yeah so i am on all of the social medias at jake miller tech um love getting messages and stuff like that too we're just connecting with people on uh social media and then my website is jakemiller.net and that will get people to educational duct tape or the edtech news brief there's plenty of plenty of links for both of them on there uh and, and my email address is there as well too if people want to reach out i, I like i i think that you guys andrew and daniel are a lot like me where we just want to we just want to connect with educators and support Absolutely. them. So, Absolutely. like, if I if if somebody that's listening like ends up sending me a message, I'm going to be like, "Ooh, awesome! Somebody to talk about EdTech with." Like, I'm actually going to enjoy that. I'm well, not going to be bothered by it. They could actually problem. tweet at you as well. So, you know, um, I mean, we know as that. long as they don't tell me I'm pronouncing GIF wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, maybe they'll leave you a speak pipe or something with that, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as we wrap up, we do want to thank you. Yes. You know, obviously uh, for your time, and hopefully, we know you're going to Fetzi coming up in January, right? So uh, that'll be great. And I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know if I should assume, but will you be going to ISTE uh, in Philly in what? June as well? Will there be more cheesesteaks in our future? Yeah. I, I haven't made plans for it yet, but I do. Like that that picture that you posted of us at, where are we at? What's the name of that place? It, was it Gino's? I don't even know. It was Gino's, the, the cheesesteak place, right? Yeah, right. Um, that, that's making me, that's giving me a hankering for some cheesesteaks. <laughs> so maybe I do need to go. It's, it's, not on my, it's not on my calendar yet, so maybe I do need to go there just for the cheesesteaks. That's it. That's <laughs> it. So, Jake, again, we can't thank you enough for your time, and uh, hopefully we'll definitely be able to connect soon. In the meantime, Keep doing what you do. We appreciate all of the sharing. You know, you're so inspirational for a, for sure. a lot of educators out there. Please, you know, share us, share some dad jokes with us, <laughs> you know, and have a wonderful holiday restful with your, you know, with your family because, you know, you definitely have earned it. Hey, you guys too. Thanks for having me on. I hope the holidays are awesome for you guys as well. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. All right. We got to thank Jake again for joining us. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. So, everybody, have a great holiday. We will be back in 2023. Enjoy your time off. Make sure you uh, check out some PD on the web. And until next time, tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.